0: The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost.
1: reading from God's Word this morning comes from 1st Samuel chapter 8. When Samuel grew old he appointed his sons as judges for Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah and he served at Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. He turned aside after dishonest gain except accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You're old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. The Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king will reign over you will do. You'll take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of the chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plough his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He'll take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He'll take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He'll take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your men servants and maid servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he'll take for his own use. You will take a tent of your flocks, and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. The Lord will not answer you in that day. The people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we shall be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that, the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, Listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to many of Israel, Everyone is to go back to his town.
2: Bye. Justice has been saved
1: Eli and his two sons Phinehas and Hophni and all the trouble that they caused for old Eli. They say that history has a tendency to repeat itself as Samuel grows older and begins to transfer powers to his sons we see that in this case at least it's true. God had brought Samuel to the tabernacle using his Malachana in order that the sons of old Eli might be replaced by someone who was living in harmony with God. Old Eli was a godly man, but his sons were cut from a different cloth. Sadly, Samuel, in his old age, must have felt just like Old Eli. All those years before, because Samuel's sons were also less than their father had been. It was in their role as judges that, that this was most clearly seen. They accepted bribes and they perverted justice. When the people can no longer trust the courts of the land and those charged with administering justice, then gradually law (coughs) is brought into disrepute and people realise that they can escape the law by simply bribing the judges. This is why the law must always be separate from the political system, from those with a vested interest, for when those in power begin to use the law for their own ends then lawlessness quickly follows in the nation. The elders of the people, the leaders at a local level saw what was happening and they met together to try to persuade Samuel to do something about it. <coughs> That must have been a delicate conversation. Imagine whoever had the courage to tell Boris Johnson or Liz Truss that it was time to go probably knew how they felt. They had, had Eli and then Samuel leading them as a nation in God's name. We need to be very clear about this it was not Moses who led the people through the wilderness. It was God. It was not Joshua who led them into the promised land. It was God. The nation was not centered around a parliament building. It was centered around God. The tent of meeting, and the people turned to their leaders, a spokesman for God to lead them. God was sovereign. It's what we call in modern language, a theocracy. The modern equivalent, though in a perverted sense, would be those Islamic states who have taken Sharia law as the basis of their government. The main difference though is that the power lies with those who interpret the Quran rather than with God. In that sense it's no different from the time of the corrupt juncties of Samuel. Indeed, if we look closely at modern Judaism, it's not so much what God says as what the rabbi says about what God says. And that can be quite different. Simple truth is that the sons of Samuel, like the sons of Eli before them, have usurped the place of God. They, rather than God, have decided what is justice. And their idea of justice is conditioned how much people will pay them and it's no justice at all the quest of the leaders of Samuel is a strange one they ask for a king now they've looked at the countries around them and seen they have strong leadership and that their leadership has a focal point in one man who speaks for the nation and leads the nation they think they might be better off with such a leader Strangely enough, there's a a sort of similar argument going on behind the scenes in the Church of Scotland today. There's a feeling abroad that the Church of Scotland somehow misses out because uh, the Roman Catholic Church has a bishop and a press office, which will instantly give the media uh, the soundbite of comment they're seeking. The Moderator the General Assembly does not have the right to respond to such questions because he's not the leader of the Church. He's just simply the one who chairs the meetings of a General Assembly and then fulfills a courtesy role for the following year. There are some who want to appoint someone to speak for the Church of Scotland. However, from its very inception, the Church of Scotland has recognised but one head. Unlike the Church of England, it has recognised only one head Jesus Christ. The desire of some, therefore, to have a moderator serve longer. Uh, to lead the church, to speak for the church, is one that we will resist, for it carries exactly the same motivation as this request for a king by the elders. It's as planting, replacing God from His rightful position. <coughs> Sometimes, when what other people have looks more attractive, and uh, I know that in Australia, for example, there are many who favour appointing a president as head of state instead of our our late queen or our new Charles III. At the same time, others point to various presidents in other nations, like the United States and some African countries, and say, do you really want that in our country? The elders give all sorts of reasons. Samuel's getting on in years. The behaviour of his sons is not what they're looking for in a leader. They have to say this. For the elders, they knew that Samuel's sons would be a disaster, but it went the wrong way about it. Samuel fuels the personal rejection that they want someone other than him to be at the head of things. But God comforts Samuel, makes it clear to Samuel, it isn't Samuel that's being rejected. We read, the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It's not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me, serving other gods, so they are doing also to you. Listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. They like the idea of a king. But have they really thought it through? Do they realise that having a king will cost them? Cost them all financially. And in having a king, they will also lose some of their freedom. They will be giving absolute control of their lives and nation to this king. Previously, people acted as one. And when an army was needed, they came together as a standing permanent army. But a king is going to want an army full-time. He'll be getting not only a king, but also a civil service, a bureaucracy. All the equipment needed by these people, and above all, has to be paid for. And that means taxes, which will be felt by everyone. It will mean conscription into the army and the service of a king, which will be felt by every family. Samuel lays it on the line to them so that there's no doubt what they're getting themselves into. Samuel lists all these things of the army and the taking of the daughters for perfumers and cooks and bakers and uh, them getting their best fuels taken from them and having to pay taxes and the best of their maid servants and men's man servants taken away as well and be put into the service of the king. That doesn't sound to me like a very good manifesto for any aspiring political leader. If it was a democracy then I don't think the people would necessarily be too keen On this but the alternative of lawlessness overshadows everything and as is so often the case historically it is lawlessness which leads to a change in power and government. Lawlessness often precedes dictatorship as the history of the last century clearly shows. Samuel makes it clear to them that they're faced with a choice and once they've made that choice and decided to go down the road of having a king that they're on their own. Samuel makes it very clear to him when that day comes you'll cry out for relief from the king you have chosen and the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. It could not be made clearer to them that they were not only turning their backs on God and all that he'd done for them in the past, but they were cutting themselves off from his future help as well. They were rejecting God. In a very real sense, they were denying their own history and heritage and even what made them Jews. For what made them Jews was their unity round the tent of meeting where together the tribes worshipped the Lord as a nation. And in spite of this, they still wanted a king. As if they'd caught hold of an idea and wouldn't let it go, no matter what it cost them. They're adamant. We want a king over us. Then we shall be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. (coughs) You can always imagine them shouting, We want a king, we want a king, we want a king, and with echoes of the way they treated another king just a few days after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, generations later. Samuel, a wise man, takes the whole matter and what's been said back to the real authority in the land, the Lord. The Lord tells Samuel, listen to them and give them a king. God will not force himself upon the hearts of men even though he has their best interest at heart. Even though he has the power to do so, God does not want his people to respond to him as a dictator, rather to respond to him as the one for whom They were created to have fellowship. God behaves towards the people of Israel exactly as the way that he behaves towards us. He gives us free will. Free will to accept or reject him. He never imposes his will upon us. He allows us to make mistakes and we all make them. But he never stops loving us. Do you remember the poem of the prodigal son? The sons made their choices and one of those sons went as far as he could from his father. He ended up in a complete and utter degradation. He made a complete mess of his life. But he did so by his own choice. And when the time came for him to come to his senses, the loving father was still there to greet him and to welcome him as a son. So too it is with each and every one of us. We have free will. God does not impose his will upon us. When we come to the point of realising the life apart from God is useless and pointless, and he stands with open arms to welcome us again as his children. It's when we exercise that free will that he has given us by trusting in his son as our saviour and taking him as lord of our lives that we discover that the greatest freedom of all is found in serving the king of kings. The people wanted a king. When centuries later the perfect king came, they rejected him. Perhaps in what we see that, in that, that we see the desire for a king by people was not only a rejection of the Lord, but also laid the way for the rejection of the King of Kings. We began by saying that sometimes we see history repeating itself, but perhaps we can put it more simply. The problem of mankind is and always has been sin. The problem hasn't gone away. Men and women still try to make themselves king of their own lives. The truth is, they will only find true happiness and fulfilment and joy in fellowship with God. The story of man's redemption through the cross is not a new story, but still the only story which provides us with our way back to God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord and Father, we come before you to worship you, King of our lives. We come with thankfulness that there were those, all those years ago, who welcomed the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we worship him now. And we thank you that you do not impose your will upon us, but you give us free will. And we ask for your forgiveness for the times when we've used that free will to our own ends, for we've been no better than Eli's sons, the sons of Samuel. We've gone after our own way. And yet, Lord, like the prodigal son, you've welcomed us back. You've put your arms round us, expressed your love afresh towards us and called us your children. Lord, we give to you all thanks and all praise. Through us, your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords
2: i hey.
0: May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.